0: Bruce Newberry, the food dude. All right. So here we are. It's Bruce Newberry with Ted Caruso's, but we can't call it a Ted Talk. And we're here at the Blue Plate Diner. So as the saying goes, we're in the people
1: business. That's right. We certainly are. And uh, it's funny because we deal with people in the manufacturing side and we deal with people on the consumer side. So you can't do anything without people. And everybody's got a shortage. Yes. Everybody.
0: Yes. Of people on all sides. So in this age of, all right, the food might come from the restaurant but be delivered to my home, but not by someone that works for the restaurant, by someone who is driving for an Uber Eats, a Grubhub, one of these places like that, it's still being delivered by people.
1: Right. And as such, uh, you know, they'll make mistakes or they'll think of convenience for themselves along the way. So I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. So we have Uber eats at the restaurant. We use it. I think it's a good product for what it is. Like anything that's new in an area, it's in its infancy. And so it has hiccups and it has issues. However, it's certainly a platform that will grow. And once they get the kinks out, they'll probably do very, very well because there's a high demand for it. I think you were telling me something, uh, um, about, there was a snowstorm and a ban on the roads, but people were like, okay, we can't go out, let's order Uber,
0: right? <laughs> right. But the snowplows the plows can't even get through. The plows can't get through, but somehow a kid in a 97 Honda is going to be able to get through two feet of snow and bring your food.
1: Right, right. So th- that's like the, the humor and the comedy and the perception, right? So it's a new novel idea, certainly in the sub- suburbia, and so it'll have its hiccups, one of the biggest hiccups, and I think it impacts perhaps the restaurant, certainly the guest and the customer, and certainly... Um, uh, the processes that are involved is when you order your food online you know the restaurant pretty well and you can't get everything you want so you call the restaurant up and you say can you add this to my Uber order and that would be great for us to do but if you don't order it through the app the restaurant doesn't get paid. Right. So you need to know like the procedures and the policies and not kind of circumvent them because there's a reality as to why. For example, milkshakes are not on our Uber order list because they don't travel well. It's, it turns into flavored milk, right? Sure. So that's a perfect example. Uh, you don't want to have something that misrepresents your restaurant. You don't want to have something that will make a mess for the driver or for you when you get your packaging. So there's some thought that's put in with these restaurants. So therefore, some items are not 100% available. That's one of the first things with the process. Second thing with the process is um, you should have just like a timestamp. Like there's a timestamp. The order comes in via your app. You know when you placed it. Um, When we prepare it, we immediately put a timestamp on it and send the driver a a notification that it's ready. So now usually it's no different than being in the restaurant. Within 12 to 18 minutes, your food should be ready for pickup maximum, no matter how busy it is. Yet, I've had issues where people, or I've ordered, and where I know for a fact things have not arrived for 30, 35 minutes. Wow. And then you'll say, so, okay, 15 minutes to drive, 15 minutes to make, that's within the realm of acceptable possibility. And then you have, it's an hour. And then you say to yourself, how is this possible? Right. Why is this happening to a person paying not only the normal price, usually a premium, Right. There's some premium on it, whether it's a built-in gratuity or a built-in th- item. So you're paying more and not getting as much. How does that impact your perception? How does that impact your customer orientation? Well,
0: it impacts it because you're not thinking badly of the delivery mechanism. You're thinking badly of the restaurant.
1: Right. Or a combination of both. So in, in fairness to the guest and the consumer, and in fairness to both businesses, what they really should kind of be focusing on is removing the problem Whatever, wherever that is. If it, the restaurant's backed up and there's a timestamp, you know it's a restaurant, I should get the feedback from the delivery driver. So I should know when it was delivered. I should get a feedback as to when it was delivered. Because then now I'll know it's Uber and it's right. not me. You'll know it's Uber, not me. Well, can't and you, versa, right?
0: Using the technology, aren't you able to track where that food is going once it leaves the restaurant? I mean, we can track a UPS package, we can track a person flying on. An
1: airline, right? I don't know. I don't know if that is available, but it should be like a heat map. No right. one is. And it's much more transparent. You know where. It, and in fairness to these organizations, everything's a gig economy. So these are people who are yes, technically employed by Uber, but they're really doing it at their own leisure. How invested really are they? They just want the quick buck. Of course. Right. That's one. And two. That's like the most negative part. But it's not even that bad. But the second issue is the reason why you might not want to go out because it's convenient. You don't want to deal with the traffic going to Newport, going through. Through downtown, there's construction, there's that, but yet you want someone else to deliver it for you and they still have to drive through that. Unfortunately, I don't know if they go point to point, meaning straight from my restaurant to your doorstep. Do they have three other stops midway? Who knows? And what about all that traffic? Right? And now you're hitting the traffic. You're going to three other stops because the Uber app is telling you as the driver to hit this, this, and this. And then by the time you get there, the food's cold. The food has been you know, driven, take a rough corner here, there, everywhere. How is that fair to you? You don't have control. You don't have control. And so is there a level of acceptance with an infancy genre like this delivery? Yes. When will that? change. It's kind of like the Tylenol. Remember, God forbid, when they had the cyanide capsules and and then the only reason why Tylenol is still here after 50 years after that whole scare was they put preventative measures in place that reassured the public that they were trying to do the right thing, and they turned a fiasco into a a competitive advantage. That's the same thing that I think all of these places have to, to kind of insist upon. They need to show you where it is in the pipeline. They need to show where the issue is. And if it's a provider, a supplier such as myself that is causing the the, the hiccup, I should be notified. Right. You're outside of your realm of possibility. You need to kind of work on that, Mr. Caruso's, or vice versa. Hey, we should get the review and say, Uber, you guys got to get your drivers or get more more drivers on the routes or whatever, or just shut down at certain times and not offer it. Right. Because you're misrepresenting me. Even though I want the money, I don't want to be misrepresented because that hurts my reputation. Do you see that
0: happening, or is it as likely that our expectations as consumers are just going to get lowered and lowered and lowered, and we're going to have to? live with this subpar level of service.
1: Well, it's interesting that you say that. I think what's going to end up happening is there could be a revolution in the following manner stores that got into the to-go game and executed well might decide to leave Uber and do it on their own in a certain geographic area and have Uber do outside that geographic area and keep that premium to themselves and have more control. That's a possibility. Uh, Another possibility uh, might be that drivers might decide to do things on their own and they end up just... Being outsourced to two or three places, and say, look at these guys have a good track record. It's convenient for me because I, I laugh because I see the same guys and they come in. And I'm like, Are you is this what you do as a full time gig? He goes, no. Only when I see that it's you because they can like, say no, because you know they can say no to a delivery sure. if it's inconvenient for them. But because they know that we can produce it pretty quickly, they come in. They accept it. They wait in the parking lot for, for like literally a minute or two minutes or whatever the time is. We hit the button and they come in. I'm like, where were you? Goes, oh, I was outside waiting. I knew already knew about it. So, you know what I mean? If you're going to do a racket and you can make some money and get scale, you might end up just being an outsource to certain three or four or five companies and not work for Uber gotcha might increase the probability of a better delivered product
0: how about you do you have control as the kind of clearinghouse can you choose a driver that you know has a good
1: track record i don't know that that's too uh that's too complex for me to even figure out with their algorithm and everything that happens but i know probably not probably not but i know it's a big no-no that they don't want you to kind of you know have favorites yeah have favorites Uh, and another thing and i think you had alluded to this that a lot of companies with the online ordering are being being able to buy domain names because they have cash, they're cash-rich. There's a problem in some industries like the pizza industry. Right. And because of that, when you go and you Google, let's say, a certain restaurant, you go directly, you are rerouted directly to their, not the restaurant's website to order online, but to a delivery service's website to order online. Wow. And now you're getting, uh, they're getting a piece of your action. So there's a lot of, like I said, it's an, uh, it's an infancy but a high-growth area. There's a lot of areas where the consumer thinks they're doing one thing. and might be getting fleeced in another. And some of it is inadvertently, I think. And some of it is just, you know, they're not aware of it. And some of it is just the fact that it's it's big business to be made. It is. And yes. Huge. Yes. I just want my food. <laughs> right, exactly. Right, and we want to make sure you get your food in a timely manner and order again. Yes. That's the big thing.
0: You know what time it is. It's the best time of the year, the sizzling season. Get that grill going, get the cookout started, and in southern New England cookouts mean Gaspar's, linguiça, and chorizos available at all major supermarkets. The Portuguese sausage that's been invited to the better cookouts for 95 years. Gaspar's is great on the grill. Those lean cuts of quality meats, the authentic spices made according to the same Gaspar's recipe for all of those years. It's just great on the grill. Slice the traditional sausage in half lengthwise. Get it going on a good hot grill. Or try the linguiça Dogs or Spicy Should And don't even think of having a clam bake or clam boil without Gaspar's. Gaspar's, the real Portuguese sausage. Invited to cookouts, clam bakes, clam boils all around this area for longer than anybody can remember. Available at all major supermarkets. Gaspar's for 95 years. It's the sausage that the whole world can enjoy. Get sizzling this summer with Gaspar's. With Alex Allen here at Allen's Wine and Spirits, it is the shank of the summer.
2: It certainly is. You know, we're at the crux, as they say. We're just past the fourth. It's time to slow down and really enjoy the, the summer weather here in New England. So. Right. And uh, we want to make sure that we want to get cooled off and refreshed, but we also
0: want to pair it up well with food. And there are particular food occasions that that we are partial to at this time of the year, cookouts, clam bakes. I was at a clam bake and it was an excellent clam bake, a TR McGrath clam bake. And I was very impressed with the wine selection. So I thought we would talk today, Alex, about some wine choices to pair with things like clam bakes and cookouts.
2: Absolutely. You know, we're coming off a record, uh, 4th of July, uh, stretch here. So it's kind of a refresher to see what people are buying at what price points, what, uh, sort of categories and styles and, uh, In terms of uh, barbecues and cookouts, I think the theme is kind of light and refreshing. You're usually out there in the warm weather. We're constantly seeing Sauvignon Blanc go out the door. Pinot Noir is a nice light red. Um, But, you know, people think of clam-bakes and shellfish, and they think of beer. Right. And that's fine, you know, but you really need to have a strong wine as sort of the backbone of the offerings there for shellfish and seafood. Not only is it used a lot of times to cook the shellfish and seafood, but it pairs excellent as well, particularly Sauvignon Blanc from southern France is one of our go-tos. Napa Valley is great. It's a little less acidic, but and rosés. The rules of the summertime wine drinking is uh, rosé, rosé, rosé.
0: Well, that's it. Again, this summer, it's really happening. But you were right on it at this bake that I went to. One of the wine choices was an excellent French Sauvignon Blanc
2: from uh, Maison Nicolas. Yes, I think we're actually the top retailer in the state uh, for Maison Nicholas. At least I'm told that. I can't confirm it, but uh, we we use that these these wines heavily, and it always goes over well. It's it's a great wine. Uh, they offer five different wines, and they're all strong for their categories. So
0: yeah, uh, and it was really uh, I was really impressed. My wife wanted a, a little Sauvignon Blanc with the main course, and she is a a type A New Englander, lobster all the way, and of course uh, nobody. Does does a clam bake better than T.R. McGrath. So it was all the authentic stuff. The uh, mussels were just so plump and bursting out of the shells and everything was just ideal. And that Sauvignon Blanc was just that kind of natural, almost effervescence to
2: it and not too much grassiness. It was very refreshing, very clean. Yeah, absolutely. So when you think of Sauvignon Blanc, it grows a lot of places in the world, particularly Marlborough County, New Zealand, some in Australia, a little bit in South Africa, but France and uh, California are the other Two big areas. Uh, So in uh, Napa Valley, you get more of a honeysuckle, lower acid sort of wine. Uh, Southern France, the acid steps up a little bit, but you don't really get the grapefruitiness and the actual kind of gooseberry flavor that you get from New Zealand. So uh, the French offerings are uh, a uh, sort of a middle ground of everything, pretty crowd pleasing. And if you travel north in France up to the Loire Valley, you get a little more sweetness, uh, a little more Muscadet that's blended up there uh, that can actually, uh, excuse me, grown up there that sometimes blended into Sauvignon Blanc uh, to actually sweeten the finish. Um, so a very versatile wine. Uh, I recommend any any store you shop. Hopefully it's us. Uh, you really take your time, go through the Sauvignon Blanc section. You can get some really cool high end stuff and some entry level stuff, everything in between.
0: Thank <laughs> you. Yeah. So how about a cookout? I mean, we're probably going to go to more cookouts than clam bakes. And uh, whether you're an ambitious cookout person, you've got something uh, really great and impressive going, whether it's a a tenderloin or whether it's a pork tenderloin, or you're doing a whole fish or what have you, or if you're just going the straight
2: ahead dogs and burgers and sausage and so on, uh, what would you recommend? I think, again, rosé wine in particular, especially from France, is a really safe bet. Uh, most people uh, nowadays are aware of what rosé is. They know it's no. They no longer think it's white zinfandel. <laughs> so it's a drier wine. It's a great food wine. Uh, I think you're safe with rosé or a, a high quality or decent quality white wine. I also encourage people to mix up the packaging a little bit. We're sort of in the middle of a, a packaging renaissance where you can get uh, canned wine, wine that's in uh, resealable aluminum uh, half bottle for under ten dollars. Sterling, in particular, pretty strong there. Sterling. Yes. Yeah, so Sterling brands. Um, uh, Woodbridge put out their uh, four acrylic glass tower uh, a couple years ago. That's uh, actually the creator of that was on an episode of Shark Tank. So Is that right? I actually caught that episode before uh-huh. we bought it. I was excited to see him. Uh, but I think he sold that into uh, Costco or something like that. Anyways, the, uh, the I encourage people to kind of avoid glass if you can. Uh, you know, cookouts, and if you're going on a boat, in, in the cookout scenario in particular, you have. Probably some children around, you know things get moved around. There's a lot of things on the grill or a lot of things on the table. Things can get knocked over. If you can avoid glass, and I also recommend people kind of keep the alcohol on the lower end of the spectrum in terms of beer and wines can be anywhere under 13% alcohol. You know you might be running into someone you haven't seen in a while. You get to chatting for a while, you know all of a sudden you look down and your drink's gone. (laughs) We really uh, encourage customers and clients to just be careful out there on the road. Sure. When you know be a responsible drinker. And you actually have some suggestions for maybe some lower alcohol beers. Mm -hmm. So, Corona Premier Beer, uh, that's a great low-calorie, low-carb option. 2.6 grams of carbs, about 3.8 in the alcohol. Wow. So that's uh, you can have a few of them without kind of sacrificing the safety out there on the road, so that's good. Yeah,
0: you you don't want to be sitting around doing a bunch of IPA at uh, (laughs) at this time of the year in the bright sunshine and all that.
2: Yeah, it's hard. People usually don't drink uh, beer and water together. Right. do, you're a responsible IPA drinker, but we don't really see that a lot. So Um, I, I, again, encourage everyone to kind of... Take it slow sure be safe out there you know there's a lot of people on the road it's, you know it's a tourist area so be careful definitely
0: and uh, of course for all of what you need
2: whether it's a cookout a clam bake
0: or an event uh, come on into alan's wine and spirits and alex and his crew will be happy to help you and uh, have a great summer
2: thanks bruce always a pleasure